0: This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey, everyone, welcome back to Pop Culture Confidential, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Despite a difficult pandemic year for the entertainment industry, there are actually quite a few highly anticipated new TV dramas on the horizon. Shows starring big names like Kate Winslet in HBO's Mayor of Easttown, Amazon's The Underground Railroad by Oscar winner Barry Jenkins, Ryan Murphy's take on the Clinton impeachment, and The Fresh Prince is back, but without the funny... And I cannot think of a better expert to help guide us through some of the fall TV dramas. Eric Deggins, author, TV critic at NPR and media analyst at MSNBC. Eric, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Uh, thank you for having me.
0: Before we start and get into some of those big shows, where are we in terms of TV productions? Are these um, shows that are coming up things that were filmed before the pandemic? How are things looking on the production front?
1: It's interesting. I I think production is slowly coming back and there's been fits and starts because um, there's been problems with people getting COVID and then that uh, causes halts in production or causes them to change production. Most recently, uh, Luke Bryan, um, one of the judges on American Idol, was um, uh, tested positive for COVID and he had to drop out. And Paula Abdul um, has taken his place on the show because they're they're getting to the point where they're doing live episodes. So uh, so it's been, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think in the entertainment industry, just like everywhere else, people are kind of chomping at the bit. To try and get back to uh, something approaching normal, and everybody has a little different way of trying to gauge the risk and move forward. And hopefully, as the vaccine progress kind of progresses, we'll see some. We'll, we'll see more things approaching normal. One of the things I'm waiting for, for example, is to see if the late night shows ever get to the point where they have uh, real audiences. You know, right. uh, Saturday Night Live came back and had kind of a curated audience with first responders and people who were vaccinated early basically or people who were willing to submit to testing. Uh, and, and that seems to have worked for them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see um, you know, as, as, the vac- as vaccination spread, more shows sort of develop a curated audience where you, all you have to do is show a vaccination card to be able to, to, to watch what they're doing. Uh, and, and so it'll be interesting to see how that progresses and and, and how quickly the, the industry uh, bounces back.
0: But there are a few things coming up soon that are, seem very interesting on the TV drama front. I was mentioning the first one that's coming already this week is Mayor of East Town, starring Kate Winslet and the wonderful Gene Smart. Tell us about this one.
1: So this, this uh, <laughs> it, it's really interesting. So it's it's a. Uh, it's a limited series about uh, a detective in a small Pennsylvania town who's been trying to find a girl who's been missing for a long time. And then another sort of major crime kind of falls into her lap and how she sort of deals with that. And while also trying to solve the crimes, she has this a tremendous amount of personal uh, dysfunction that she has to also deal with. You know, there was an incident that uh, blew up her marriage. I'm not going to say what it is because that would be kind of a spoiler. And and she's living with her her mother, who she can't stand, a daughter, and uh, a child. And I don't want to reveal too much about that either because those are all spoilers. But but basically, she's got this sort of weird blended family. Uh, that's kind of dysfunctional, and then they're all in a particular place in in a Pennsylvania town, where the speech patterns are a certain way. So when you watch the show, you will see that a lot of the actors are trying to um, adopt a Pennsylvania accent, which is funny to me. I lived in my mo- my mother's from from Pittsburgh, and I lived in Pittsburgh for three years when I was starting my career as a journalist. So it, it's they you it feels like the same speech coach like coached everybody so they all kind of have they all kind of have the same accent uh which is which is uh uh I mean I I I give them props that so many of the actors tried to speak the way um that that uh the Pennsylvanians speak Kate Winslet in particular I think does a really good job with it but 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 it does you know you do kind of feel like the same person is talking to you through five different actors, yeah. which is kind of, which I thought was kind of weird, but, uh, but it's an, it's an interesting show.
0: The showrunner is Brad Inglesby, who we just saw his latest movie was the way back with Ben Affleck, where he plays yeah. the basketball coach, the alcoholic, which is quite a good yeah. movie. I, I think.
1: I don't know. There's an oddness to me about these stories where you have these uh, major Hollywood stars Playing working class white people down on their luck. Um, you know, like this is a town, you know, everything's drab. <laughs> every, everybody acts like a knucklehead. You know, like the first two or three episodes, especially, you just want to slap everyone, <laughs> every character. You just want to slap them upside the head. And, and, and I, you know, I, I have a problem with that. I, I you know, uh, I think this drama would have been so much better if they had figured out a way uh, to, to show that some people in this town a live there because they want to live there and B um, have some sense, you know, you, you, you have the, I had the sense watching this. I mean, I watched like five episodes of it and I had this sense that they were almost depicting this kind of purgatory of a place where everybody's stuck there because they're mediocre or because they make bad decisions or because they're constantly self-destructive. That's, um, you know, Kate Winslet's character's problem. She's, she's, she's smart, but she's also very self-destructive. So, so you know, that, that was the thing that kind of bugged me about this show is, is uh, you know, whether it's me bringing my, my issues to it or not. I felt while I was watching it, you know, high-powered, glamorous Hollywood people trying to say, this is why people live in towns like this.
0: <laughs> uh, you know i felt like, i mean i enjoyed the acting kate winslet is always great and gene smarts great but we've really seen the murders of teenage girls and long shots of their dead bodies it just felt like it had been done before and so i was i'm sort of over that i have to say um
1: yeah and then this also suffers from uh, a milder case of what i often call netflix bloat which is where um, they're expanding the story to try to fit multiple episodes, and so you get a sense sometimes when you're watching the story that it's running in place, or it's giving you details you don't need, or you're seeing scenes between characters that that you could do without. But I, but I, you know, in, in some ways, I was interested. I was interested enough to watch multiple episodes of it, but I was also disappointed by. It.
0: Yeah, yeah, that I have the same feeling. I, I enjoyed the acting but it wasn't, it didn't deliver on all fronts. But moving a bit further along until in mid-May, we have um, The Underground Railroad coming, a show we've been hearing about for a long time, and it's finally coming. It's Barry Jenkins based on Colson Whitehead's novel coming to Amazon. Tell me about that, what you know.
1: I, I've had to sort of uh, work up the courage to watch um, to watch this because Uh, it's getting harder for me to watch shows that are centered on black paint. And, um, um, and, and, you know, I've often said I will watch a show um, that features that if it's worth it, you know, if, if what it achieves creatively, if the story it tells sort of is worth putting me through uh, that experience. I felt that way about when they see us, for example, the, uh, limited series that Ava DuVernay did about the Central Park Five. Right. Um, so I haven't, you know, I, I haven't watched a lot of this because I watched the first episode and I had to stop about two, you know, two thirds of the way in uh, because. Um, it, it was just really hard for me to get through. So, uh, I, I, I've, I've really been looking forward to it. You know, I'm a big fan of Barry Jenkins and, um, you know, I've been badgering the folks at Amazon to give me access to the episode. So I will, I will eventually sit down with it and, and watch more of it. Um, but I, but I realized in watching that show and, and then trying to watch them, uh, the, uh, Amazon show, uh, co-created by Lena Waithe that, um, that it's, it's just getting harder and harder for me to watch shows that feature black people um, getting brutalized and. Um,
0: we have enough of that in the in the news in, in real life.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, we have a lot of that in the news, and frankly, I've seen a lot of it in 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 television. You know, it's like um, I hate to I, almost, I hate to bring up his name, but um, but it but it's germane to the conversation. So Louis C.K., the comedian, he used to talk about how he would mess with Chris Rock. And he would say to to Chris, you know, if you got in a time machine, you could only go back to about 1960 before things would get tough for you. and You couldn't go anywhere. And he said, I I can go back to, you know, the 1500s or the 1300s or, you know, I can go back as far as I want, which is a a sort of a facetious way of pointing out that, um, you know, black folks have been oppressed, particularly in America for a long time. And so it's hard to have a historical drama that talks authentically and realistically about what char- black characters went through, but also isn't just a litany of, um, you know, uh, trauma. So something like the Underground Railroad, it's a, you know, it's about uh, black slaves trying to escape from the South. So, you know, you're gonna see a lot of horrible stuff, um, a lot of horrible acts per- perpetrated against black people. And you, you, you know, I felt like I, at least I have to kind of steal myself for that. And and having, you know, uh, watched shows like Lovecraft Country, where there is a lot of black trauma, but in the end, uh, the black people are victorious. I'm much more interested in stories like that now. <laughs> I'm much more interested in stories where black people already have agency, um, where they're facing some of the similar kind of challenges that any protagonist would face. And, and, I'm, and I'm much less interested in stories where, you know, we have to go back to a time uh, when black people were as oppressed as, the, as they were. So, and that's just me personally, again.
0: And another one that's coming up right around the corner in a few weeks is a TV version of Mosquito Coast, based, of course, on the novel by Paul Thoreau. But there was also this the movie that I remember very well, starring Harrison Ford and River Phoenix. What do you know about this?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is interesting. Uh, it's going to be on Apple TV, and Apple has made episodes available to TV critics. So I'm just starting to watch through it. I've watched the first two episodes and, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's adapted uh, by Neil Cross. And I think people will rem- remember Neil Cross. He, uh, he's the guy who was involved with um, uh, Luther that uh, Idris Elba starred in. And so the story of this guy who's a brilliant inventor and relatively I- idealistic, who is obsessed with his family living off the grid and not consuming things and being sort of environmentally conscious and everything. But as we meet the family, you know, they're kind of living hand to mouth. They're back to get evicted from their house. And then you discover that they're being pursued by law enforcement for some reason. And, and so the the parents make the decision to move the family, try to get the family to Mexico. And that's the first two episodes, you know, them, some, them realizing they have to le- leave where they're living and they have to um, move across the border. And the kids don't know why the police are after the family. Like with Apple, you know, like the production values are really high. It's shot really well. I, I, I like the pacing of it so far, you know, you don't feel like uh, the storytelling is is running in place. And even though there have been previous iterations of this story, um, it feels fresh and different. And it's been long enough since that movie, that movie was quite a long time ago. You know, there, there are probably not that many people who will even remember uh, just just me
0: i'm old i remember it very well no, i remember it too i because... was a huge river <clears throat> phoenix <fan. laughs>
1: right At and and stage. and you know it was uh it was i think if i'm remembering right it was it was one of the harrison ford's first movies after star wars kind of turned him into a huge or maybe after Indiana Jones. Indiana maybe,
0: Jones, it was it was, it was after
1: after, later, after Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah, Peter Weir. This this amazing you know blockbuster star, and so it was such a different movie. And
0: but I have to ask you, Justin Thoreau, who's in the TV sh- series, he must be related to Paul Thoreau.
1: Yeah, I I think I think the author is his uncle, and Justin Thoreau. Also writes has also written TV shows and movies, so so it's interesting to see him uh, as an actor here, and uh, you know he does a great job. I mean, like, and uh, and it's really interesting. I, so far, I'm really enjoying it.
0: And does it feel relevant in 2021? Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if anything, the the lead character's perspective makes even more sense. Like, there's a there's a scene where um, Justin Theroux's character is with his daughter, and they're running from the cops, and they're in this uh, place where a bunch of homeless people are kind of hanging out. And he looks around and he just says, you know, being a consumer is like the worst thing that you can call someone. He hates that word. And he talks about how all the people in this place are broken consumers. And when you stop consuming, what does America do to you? It throws you away. And I think that's more relevant now than it's ever been. Uh, I'm in for it. So I can't wait to see where the storytelling goes. And I hope that it pays off the excellent beginning that I saw.
0: So that's on Apple TV plus, and I, it's coming in just a couple of weeks, I think beginning of May, right?
1: Yeah. April 30th is when it, is when it debuts.
0: What are you looking forward to uh, other shows coming up in terms of drama?
1: Well, you know, uh, I'm a comic book nerd, so I'm looking forward to Loki.
0: Loki. Um, yeah.
1: I, <laughs> I, I, I really want to see what happens with that show, particularly because, um, you know, I, I I I am somebody who read comic books. and Continue to read them. I'm not going to act like I stop. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I you know I read them a lot when I was a kid, and uh, and read them a lot as a as a young adult in the '80s. And you know, there was always a sense that there was this sort of huge universe. Of continuing storylines that would feed off of each other. And so something that happened in an X Men comic might surface in a Fantastic Four book, might surface in an Avengers book. All these worlds were created, all these worlds were connected, even though they were um, also uh, telling their own independent stories. And now uh, Marvel has reached the point where it is creating that in streaming and film, and it is an exciting and kind of amazing thing to see. And and, and I really don't think some people understand what they are pulling off by first having a successful run of WandaVision that took storylines from um, Infinity War and and gave a whole cool, interesting, compelling storyline to two characters that have never gotten enough space in the big movies. And now they're doing that with Falcon and Winter Soldier. And although that series, I think, took a little while to kind of uh, find its sea legs, um, now the storytelling has really gotten interesting. And um, they have tapped into something that the comic book writers of Captain America tapped into in the late 70s and early 80s which was how do you reconcile sort of the ideal of what captain america is with the reality of what america is mm-hmm. and and these heroes sort of ping-ponging between wanting to live up to the ideal of what a captain america represents but being forced to contend with how the world actually works and 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 so i think the um, you know by having a a, a guy who was um, sort of name the second Captain America and having him sort of fall short of those ideals, but yet still claim to represent them, you know, um, it's, it's the journey that we all took uh, in the wake of Watergate and in the wake of Iran-Contra and in the wake of so many things that has diminished our um, confidence in, in government and in politicians we also see this kind of play out in the superhero world, which is amazing. And so now I'm really looking forward to Loki because um, the space part of Marvel uh, has always been a wild and wondrous and and kind of absurdist place. And so it's great to see them play with that in the Guardians of the Galaxy, in parts of the Thor movies, and now, uh, and now with Loki. So I, I, I can't wait to see.
0: Yeah, uh, and the trailer with. looks great.
1: And, and what's and, and again what's what's great about that is that there's a there's a surface level where you can enjoy the story if all you know is the movies or even if you don't necessarily know the movies but 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 owen wilson is playing a character that comic book fans know and there's a whole backstory and mythology to the agency that he works for and who that character is um, that has comic book fans going oh man how are they gonna you know, how how are they gonna realize this? You know, what how how far down the rabbit hole are they gonna go with the storytelling? So I, you know, that's part of my anticipation too, mm-hmm. is that I know who who Mr. Mobius is. That's the character that was in plays. And I can't wait to see. It.
0: I was mentioning the top at the top. I'm so curious if you know anything about it, the reboot of Will Smith's Fresh Prince of Bel Air, but apparently it's a drama and they already have a two season order.
1: Well, basically what happened, basically this young filmmaker uh, made a, a trailer. He made a fake trailer, basically, um, that reimagined the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as a drama.
0: Oh, young, an unknown young filmmaker.
1: Morgan Cooper, that's his name. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so this guy creates this um, fake trailer for a dramatic version of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and it's so compelling that it becomes a viral hit. And Will Smith sees it, and Will Smith uh, kind of uh, retweets it and co-signs it and talks about how great it is. And then takes, uh, and then, and then they do a YouTube video where he meets Morgan Cooper and they talk a little bit about what he's done. And and um, Will Smith kind of takes him under his wing and helps him get a deal to actually make the show. So now, story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you know, um, it's interesting because I think there's a long tradition in Hollywood of older creatives um, tapping into the energy and vision of younger creatives, and in one way, it's like you're giving a helping hand to a younger person, but in another way, they're keeping the older creative fresh and relevant, and 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 making sure that they're still in the mix. Right. So rather than be feel threatened by younger people who are coming along with newer ideas, the older creatives learn how to uh, help them and also help themselves by bringing these people along. It's not a fully altruistic kind of situation, which I always try, uh, try to be upfront about. I don't know about Will Smith and Morgan Cooper, mm. but but what struck me about it was it's very it was very smart of Will Smith to reach out to this kid and try to figure out a way to make his vision a reality. It keeps the fresh air, um, it, um, you know, franchise relevant and fresh and of the moment. And Will looks like a good guy for helping this guy, but he also stays involved with a project that, you know, if the kid did it on, a, on his own might've overshadowed what he did with Fresh Prince. But now that he's involved, it's all connected. You know, and it helps the kid, but it also helps uh, Will Smith. So I'm really excited to see, um, you know, what he's going to what he's going to do with it.
0: Do you know if it takes place within the family or is it a prequel or after? or? I'm- I,
1: I think it's I mean, the trailer is a reimagining of the concept, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It was. It, it had. It, it tipped a hat to old school sitcoms because it told the story of the of the concept of the show in the opening credits. You know, <laughs> while the, while the theme played, you know, the theme was the theme sort of told you the whole setup to the show, and then, and then they started- I can still episode. see
0: it in my head. <laughs>
1: exactly. So yeah. so what so what Morgan Cooper did was he kind of created a trailer that was kind of the same thing, except it tells you the concept of, of, of Bel Air. From, I mean, number one, it's a contemporary story. So it's taking place now as opposed to taking place when the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Bel- Bel- took place in the 90s. And it's just, it's dramatic. And I, and I think um, what's interesting about it is that because we're so used to seeing well-done dramas that feature characters uh, from hip hop and rap, uh, I think we're, we're ready to see what this might look like. And it's a great way you know, like like like, if you try to create a comedy, it's never it's it's never gonna have sort of the magic that the original did, and it would look weird to try and bring back the old cast. You know, that's that's not really gonna work either, especially since James Avery has passed away, the the, the guy who played Uncle Phil. So uh, so why not try to reimagine it with younger people and a younger vision in a different format? Uh, with, a, with an entirely different kind of storytelling device. So it makes a lot of sense. Now, I haven't seen um, anything of it.
0: Do we know when, it, anything about time frame when it's coming?
1: No, P- Peacock has picked it up. So it would be on NBC's uh, streaming service. I haven't heard anything about uh, when, when it's going to go. And I would imagine that, that COVID uh, has probably, um, you know, made that more difficult.
0: So, Eric, are you a Lord of the Rings fan as well?
1: Uh, you know. Are you looking forward weird. to
0: Amazon's huge, <laughs> highly anticipated multi-season adaptation?
1: <laughs> uh, oh boy. I, you know. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know that I'm not. You know, I try to remain open-minded about these projects. I always say, show me what you got. You know, I don't I don't care how outlandish the premise is. I'm always like, show me what you got. You know, so so you know when when HBO said it was gonna do a series set at a time when slavery was never abolished in America, and people freaked out. I was like, well, let me see what the show is before you freak out. Uh, you know, it 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 might be an intriguing premise. And frankly, I you know I had friends, I had black friends who were TV writers who had similar concepts. So okay, might be interesting. But uh, but alas, that never happened. <laughs> and and one of the writers from that project is uh, the guy who created uh, Falcon and, and Winter Soldier, Mapple Really? Oh, really? But, uh, so, so, so all of that to say that while I'm somewhat cynical about a Lord of the Rings TV show, um, I am uh, always open-minded about it. And I would love to see another great uh, major TV series come to streaming. Well,
0: the Lord of the Rings show is a one Apparently, a $1 billion budget. And it's also filmed in New Zealand where they don't have as many COVID restrictions. Right, so right. it feels like you better be good.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's highly anticipated. And, yeah. you know, they, um, they re- you know, Amazon released like the names of all the actors and people working on this years ago.
0: Mm-hmm, uh, yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, so I-, I don't know. You know, uh, it's a big swing for Amazon. Uh, I hope it works. I hope it's a. I hope it's a great series. Um, but I have not been sitting around going, boy, you know, I wish they. Would <laughs> you know, I mean, Peter Jackson's movies were just so long, and filled mm-hmm. with stuff. But I'm just like, what is there about this world that we haven't seen we yet? Haven't is seen. There, yeah, that's what I feel. What like. is there? You know, why? Why are we returning to this? You know, and is and is this going to be another situation where it's all a bunch of white people? You know, I. You know, it's a fictional world. <laughs> Why is every major character white? <laughs> Why is every major character white? I don't understand it. You know, the same thing with Game of Thrones, you know, it's a fictional world. So um, so I hope at least that they correct that and um and and show a little more diversity in 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 who gets to play these characters.
0: Um, another bunch of white people, I was just going to say, it, it is the, the impeachment, the Ryan right. Murphy, American. At there's white. a reason why
1: those characters are white.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> On FX, um, which is also a show that was supposed to come even before the election, but they, right. they you know, they, they didn't do it. And I'm curious about it because it does have a pretty interesting cast with Beanie Feldstein playing Monica Lewinsky and Clive Owens ba- playing Bill Clinton. You know,
1: I I think the concept is really interesting. American Crime Story is uh, an anthology series that started with a scripted um, rendition of the O.J. Simpson trial, which I thought was really well done. Excellent. And then they did um, Gianni Versace, the the murder of Gianni Versace, which was a little less uh, creatively. Uh, great, uh, but was also um, uh, uh, yeah, it was interesting and and had a lot of great performances in it, and had a lot of great um, you know production value to it. Uh, it just was they did they I don't think they had quite sort of the the uh, the focus on what that limited series was trying to say. So so yeah, I felt I felt like with the 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 L. J. Simpson story, they really knew uh, what they wanted to say about what that trial meant. Mm -hmm. And and also provide all these details that uh, about an event that people thought they knew, but they really didn't. The Gianni Versace murder is was a lot. I I think people were less familiar with the details of that anyway. And and I'm not sure. it, It just didn't feel like they had quite as sure a hand in what they wanted to say.
0: About society and time and media criticism—that was what was so excellent with the O.J. Yeah. Simpson. Okay. Yeah,
1: and and you know the 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 second one is trying to say a lot about you know sort of uh, gay life at that time and you know, how America sort of dealt with uh, gay people and threats to gay people and you know it they 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 tried to talk about a lot too. I just don't I just didn't think they had as sure a hand. So now the question is sort of like, what do they what do they want to say about? Um, Monica Lewinsky and about Bill Clinton. And, you know, the thinking about that scandal has changed a lot, you know, so so I'm really interested in seeing um, what they do with that and how much they acknowledge um, how much the thinking has changed.
0: Yeah, the whole me too, you know, era that we're in now that if they're using that in the series, I'm very curious about that as well.
1: And and you know, there's, there's a lot of weirdness around this because um, like uh the first uh American crime story in OJ Simpson, this is also based on a Jeffrey Tubin book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, right. And, you know, right. I didn't even think of
0: that. <laughs> and, you
1: know, Jeffrey uh had his own uh, little scandal, uh, yeah. Scandal that kind of got him drummed out of the uh the, the media's pundit class for a while i mean it's kind of an ongoing thing
0: in case the listeners don't know he exposed himself on zoom
1: yeah he was he was he was uh he was on a zoom call for the people at the New yorker which is one of his jobs and uh, i think he assumed that his camera wasn't on when it was and he did something you know, intimate yeah uh, and uh, and everyone on the work call could see and hear it and, and so, of course, if you have a bunch of journalists experience something like that, of course, it, the word of it is going to get out. And so as word of it got out, you know, he had to apologize. And um, uh, I think the New Yorker let him go. Uh, and, and I think his status with CNN is kind of in doubt. But he hasn't really been uh, visible as a pundit since that happened.
0: And he's the author of the Clinton impeachment story so so that does make an interesting development
1: yeah he wrote it he wrote a book and you know when the oj simpson american crime story came out he did he did a lot of press for it i interviewed him and um you know i read his book on o., the oj simpson trial and um uh, they you know it, it, it provided a lot of material for that um for that show, and and was a really well done uh, look. Like you would understand even more about what they were trying to say in, in in that in the show if you read that book. And so I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not involved uh, in the press for this one. But it would be kind of a shame because I bet the same thing uh, is probably going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you read his if you read his book on Clinton, you might understand a little bit more about what they're trying to say on the TV show. I have not seen a release date. So I don't know that I don't think it's been uh, I don't think it's been scheduled yet, but I'm but I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, for better or for worse, airing during the tenure of a Democratic president will allow people, I think, maybe to see the show as the show and not load all of these political implications on, right. on to it that might have happened if it had come out during Donald Trump's uh, attempt for reelection. One of the things that I think the show, Showtime had a limited series called The Coming Rule. And I think one of the things that kind of hampered that show was that it came out a few months before the election. And people complained, uh, saying, you know, what was even the act? You know, we thought it, we were told it was going to come out before the election and they were bummed that it got scheduled that way. Then Showtime changed its mind. and I think aired it in September. You know, people brought, brought all this political stuff to it because it was a unflattering depiction of Donald Trump. And, and so at the very least, you know, this Clinton story will uh, be free of a little of that because it won't be coming right before Contentious.
0: Um, we have time for one more, Eric. You know, I'll, talk, I'll talk a
1: little bit about a show, show that people probably don't talk about very much, but that is that I think is kind of um, interesting. Uh, it's Godfather of Harlem. And this is a uh, scripted show starring Forrest Whitaker as Bumpy Johnson. And Bumpy was uh, kind of a renowned crime lord in Harlem during the uh, 60s and, and 70s. And this is, this is a really interesting show where Forrest Whitaker's Bumpy Johnson is basically trying to take control of the drug game in Harlem from uh, Italian mobsters. Who control who? Who at the time of the show currently control it? And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays um, the Italian mobster who's uh, in charge of Harlem and is uh, clashing with Forrest Whitaker's character. You know Malcolm X kind of shows up. John, Giancarlo Esposito plays um,
0: great cast.
1: He plays Adam Clayton Powell, uh, who was a well-known uh, congressman from the New York area who was sort of dashing and involved with civil rights, but also kind of had, it was, you know, considered a little egotistical and had his own kind of shady past. And yeah, and, and, and they've even uh, added a little bit to the cast uh, for the second season. It's on epics which I think a lot of people are not uh, that aware of. And, for, you know, for some reason, people haven't really been talking about it a lot. But if you like gangster dramas, and, and particularly if you like gangster dramas that kind of play with history, actual history, you know, I think it's a really interesting one to check out. And, you know, it's it's centered on the attempt by Black folks to kind of take control of the drug trade in, um, in Harlem. And the conflict between black gangsters in Harlem who want to take over from the Italian mobsters, And then there's also a conflict between the black gangsters in Harlem and the members of the Nation of Islam who look down on the drug trade as uh, enslaving black folks. And then there's a conflict within the Nation of Islam between Elijah Muhammad, who runs the, the faith, and Malcolm X whose fame was starting to eclipse Elijah Muhammad's. And so, you know, there's all these interesting, you know, uh, during the second season, they depict when uh, Cassius Clay fights Sonny Liston and he's already converted to the Nation of Islam and he's close to Malcolm X, but uh, none of the other powerful um, Black Muslims want to go down to the fight because everybody assumes that he's going to lose Uh, to Sonny Liston, Malcolm X goes down and supports him. And of course he wins. And so what does that do to the balance of power inside the Nation of Islam when one of the best known Black athletes in the country is close to Malcolm X?
0: Which is exactly Regina King's, the start of her movie, right? Yeah, yeah. After after the Sonny Liston. Exactly.
1: And everybody is um, interested in that time anyway because uh, of the movie. I think this is just sort of the serendipity of Hollywood, you know. And so, I, you know, I hope people, I mean, you know, Paul Sorvino is in it. Luis Guzman is in it. I mean, there's a lot of really cool actors in this show. And it's, and it's almost kind of under the radar. I don't hear anybody talk about it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Eric, thank you so much. It's always so interesting to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking your time with me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And everyone who wants to read more of your things and and keep up with your work can follow you on Twitter at Deggins. Yep. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.